and W. The fastest hour in sports radio is here. This is the greatest moment in my life. On the Big 550 KTRS. Team sports will keep you away from temptations like rock music. It's Sports Sunday, and it starts now. Oh, my goodness. Here's Brendan Weesey. And a pleasant good Sunday morning, St. Louis. Glad to have you on board this Sports Sunday on the Big 550 KTRS. Brendan Weesey with you. Howard Morton is our esteemed producer, as always, and great to have you along with us and let's get some of the uh, housekeeping materials uh, um, out of the way here at the start update you on the weather because for a few more minutes up until 12 noon we are under a wind chill warning that turns into a wind chill advisory through midday Tuesday Uh, the important headline is it is very very cold. Maybe not quite as cold as it was last night in Kansas City for the Chiefs-Dolphins playoff game, but very cold nonetheless. The particulars, actual air temperature right now, one below. Some spots around town, have, I believe, have dipped as low as 10 below earlier this morning. So by far the coldest air of the season Um, If you factor in actual feel, this is not air temperature, but wind chill right now, we are at 21 below zero, and that it has to do with the sustained winds out of the west at 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 22. Just, uh, you know, from my perch right now, uh, it does appear like the wind has started to back off a little bit. So we'll, we'll stick with those official numbers. But my guess is the wind chill may be, maybe feeling a little better. But anyway, you slice this, it slice this, it is cold here on this January the 14th. But glad to have you with us. We're going to try to warm you up. Hey, the Cardinals winter warm-up is going on downtown St. Louis right now and tomorrow as well down at Bush and Ballpark Village. But... Let's um let's dig into a couple of other particulars. We'll talk some baseball with Ben later on in the hour. We'll start with basketball. You heard it yesterday on the Big 550, and we'll talk more to Ben uh, about this. Tigers lose again in overtime to South Carolina, 71-69 to was the final score. Mizzou had their chances late to sew up a regulation win, a late three by the Gamecocks, tied the game, and they would hang on to the two-point win uh, at the end of overtime. Feels strange when the Tigers have been in those spots where they have to answer and make a shot. They've always done it. Um, That's the one thing about these Dennis Gates teams, and the, the fact they've done it this year, they've done it last. But they haven't come up with as many clutch plays maybe elsewhere in the game. Um, and And that's kind of part of the story here where they've lost now six of seven their only two wins since we turned the calendar to december home against wichita state home against 
Central Arkansas. They these are all top 100 teams that they've lost to Kansas, Seton Hall, Illinois, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina. But Georgia and and, and South Carolina were the real winnable games at home. I, I'm kind of getting a vibe here. This Tiger team, they they don't feel like the same team when it almost feels like they're unencumbered on the road. Like they've played better basketball away from Mizzou Arena this year. Their two best wins at Minnesota, at Pitt. I don't know what it is. And maybe things get better when the students come back. The atmosphere will be lively. They hung in there against Kentucky. We'll see how they do against Alabama Tuesday. But the raw results are this team is 8-8, and 0-3 in the SEC. That's all that really matters. And a lot of the veterans that provided real key help around Kobe Brown and Demoy Hodge last year, it just hasn't been the same level of production. It's been very inconsistent. Problem is Noah Carter's getting better, but Nick Honor isn't so far, and the young guys haven't taken off like you'd like to see. In fact, Anthony Robinson did play some yesterday, but Trent Pierce, Jordan Butler, they only see the bench, and those two freshmen, Pierce started against Illinois and has hardly seen the floor since. So that's a little hard to figure, but... Hey, the SEC season is long. I, I just I'd love to see some improvement as we go along the way. I did have ex expectations this would be another NCAA tournament year. Those expectations have obviously gone south, but you've got time to at least give yourself a nice springboard to 2025. Golly, you hate to say that. It feels like, it feels like the end of the Conzo Martin era, where it's like, oh boy, January's here and you're already done. And there's a lot of games to be played. And the only way to change the trajectory for this year is to start winning some ball games. And they will be long, long shots against Alabama Tuesday down in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Alabama's metrics good. Alabama maybe hasn't won as much as they would like. They did beat Mississippi State last night, 82-74. The Crimson Tide has won five in a row. So look out uh, come Tuesday. SLU doesn't play again until Tuesday night themselves. They're coming off their first conference win of the season. The Abilicans will be on the road at Dayton Tuesday night. And Dayton is a borderline top 25 team right now. Their top 30 team, when you talk about the metrics, they, the Flyers, will be heavy favorites against the Billikens come Tuesday night. Hey, we, the, St. Louis City SC, they are into training camp. Let's get you a little update here with our Sunday soccer wrap-up. This, this is the soccer wrap-up. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Part of Sports Sunday on the Big 550 KTRS. City had their report day yesterday. They will head down to Florida now for the week. Do some training. We are expecting to have some media availability this week, so that'll be good. Interesting report today. A couple of conflicting reports when it comes to attacker Nico Joachini. One report indicates that there is an offer out there from Como FC, which is part of Serie B uh, on the European side of soccer. They have an offer to... Uh, 
acquire via transfer Nico Joachini. And uh, obviously there'd be some interest there. He's got, uh, obviously he's grown up uh, in, uh, in Europe. And this is an opportunity maybe for Nico to uh, maybe go back and continue his development. We all know for these guys in MLS, their opportunities get bigger and better if they go play on the European professional side of soccer. But there are conflicting reports. One report says there's an offer out there. Another from a very reliable source, uh, Manny Veth, who covers um, the world of MLS, Manuel Veth, reports that there is no offer from Como FC for Nico Joachini. So really there would be no comment from, from anybody involved in this at the moment. But uh, interesting potential development. Uh, I've been very curious who could go out on transfer. We've heard uh, AZ Jackson's name a bunch on this front. And here is uh, Nico Joachini having his name bantied about a little bit as a possibility. But much more soccer coming away, of course. We're, uh, our programs will start to beef up a little bit now with actual games on the Horizon training camp. Don't forget St. Louis Soccer Weekly comes your way every Friday at 6. And when there's no Mizzou basketball, we've got um, Soccer in the Lou Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. Uh, let's dig into a little bit. Uh, quickly, NFL scores from last night. Playoff NFL football. Chiefs do beat the Dolphins in the frigid cold. 26-7 to was the final score. Patrick Mahomes, 262 and a touchdown. R rookie receiver, Rashi Rice, maybe his best game as a pro. Eight for 139 and a touchdown. Uh, Tua Tungabailoa did hook up with a former Chief wide receiver, Tyreek Hill, on a long touchdown. But the Dolphins only score of the ball game earlier in the day, all Houston Texans blow out the Cleveland Browns 45 to 14 as Houston moves along in the NFL playoffs. There was going to be a 12 noon game today, but the Steelers and bills have been moved to Monday afternoon at three 30 due to potential blizzard like conditions in Buffalo. I do remember when, uh, you would play in those conditions, right? But apparently it's really, really bad up there in the greater Buffalo area, so they're going to play tomorrow instead. Uh, Packers-Cowboys then this afternoon, 3.30. Late tonight, it's the Rams. It's the Lions. First playoff game in Detroit in some 30 years. Uh, Barry Sanders was uh, playing at the Silverdome back then, so this will be the first playoff game in I think some 50 60 years in downtown Detroit because of course those days back in the 90s the Lions played in Pontiac Michigan so that's the primetime game tonight go Lions and then tomorrow Steelers Bills 330 CBS Monday Night Football Eagles in Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers to wind down super wildcard weekend hope everybody found Peacock last night the NBC streaming service so you could watch uh, the Chiefs get that victory. Uh, I'd be fascinated to see the numbers and the demand for that. When you figure NFL playoff games, you got 20 million or so watching those games and um, how the internet grid did last night while that was going on. And uh, World of Golf today, Sony Open, Keegan Bradley, Grayson Murray, your leaders. They'll tee off later this afternoon. First full field of the year 
on the PGA Tour. Ben Fred coming up with me next. More Tiger basketball talk on the Big 550. Tiger Tales is on the air. Spins back a reverse layup. Good! And Missouri's got the lead at 57. 56 with 11-18 to play. A recap of the latest Tigers basketball game. Here's Ben Fredrickson and Brendan Nisi on the Big 550. KTRS. All right, let's start with some Tiger Tales this morning here on the Big 550 KTRS. Brendan Nisi with sports columnist from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Ben Fredrickson. He's down at the Cardinal Winter Warm-Up. We'll talk some baseball here in our next segment but uh, reality, Ben, starting to kick in, I think, for us and for Mizzou basketball fans after yesterday's loss against a team picked to finish at the bottom of the league in South Carolina. I can still dig up some positives, and we'll talk about it. And Mizzou had a chance, much like they did against Georgia, not so much Kentucky, but you can argue could have beaten Georgia I would say should have beaten South Carolina yesterday. Instead, they lose in overtime. They're 0-3 in the Southeastern Conference. And the schedule, you know, really does not get any easier. And it hasn't been very friendly since early December. And the Tigers find themselves a 500 basketball team overall. Um, can we find any bright spots, sir? Well, the team competes, um, but look, there's no there's no participation trophies in SEC basketball, and I don't think Dennis Gates or his players. Uh, these games are close, and they're all kind of similar. And maybe that's the positive. If there is one, is like there are moments where a game like this resembles one against Kentucky, resembles one against Georgia, and at some point you hope that the outcome flips. But uh, you know, one of the things that that struck me was. Last season's team, I think, had a had a fortunate combination of a some good luck. They had some circus shots that went in that built confidence in a team that uh, broke the right way. And they also had, it's not always just luck. It's it's kind of that that clutch killer instinct. And this team doesn't quite have that. And it's it's not that they're that they don't that they shrink from the moment. But sometimes it's a combination of being being bold enough to take a huge shot or 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 you know take that look and, and big confidence to make it and in the fact that it just goes in and those two things can can build a team that probably outperforms in some ways its ceiling and, and i think last year's team in a lot of in a lot of ways did that I, I think they got some breaks early in the season that made them a better team because they believed in themselves and that's that's what good teams do um, this team is not catching those breaks, and an overtime win at home maybe is one, and it and it goes the other way, and then it and then it you know you're still searching, so they're in a tough spot. And I, I agree with how you started us off. It's kind of reality check. This was one of their most winnable games here in the SEC, and if you can't get that one at home, it's it's hard to look at the schedule and say, okay, where where are the other ones going to come from? I, I, you said it, Ben. They outperformed so many of the metrics last year in games that maybe should have gone the other way. They won, and, and they had that clutch gene. They made big shots, multiple games where they hit walk-off buzzer beaters or close to walk-off buzzer beaters in the final minute. And they, they have hit some of those this year. They haven't uh, certainly didn't hit any uh, yesterday. And one of the metrics they didn't need to out. Perform last year was their offense had one of the 
best offenses in the country, no matter what metric you looked at. And yesterday, Ben, I thought they followed a script to get a win. I thought they were better defensively. They were forcing turnovers, although they weren't turning those into live ball points going the other way, which was maybe part of their problem. And it just looked like they were really laboring offensively to find quality shots. And by quality shots, I mean open threes, which this team wants to take and will take every possession if it presents itself, open threes or layups. And they didn't have any of those. And it felt like a repeat performance of the end of the Kentucky game where they went went one for 15, one for their last 15 on offense down the stretch where they had a a decent enough lead in the last couple of minutes. They just can't close it out. Missed a couple of front ends of one and ones mm, yeah, that bad. really shot them in the foot. But, and that's the Achilles here, right? Because yeah. what's been the big theme from Dennis Gates so far this season? Got to get to the free throw line. The officials got to call fouls. Players got to get there. It's got to drive and create contact. And, and then you do, and you don't make it. And it's like, man, the one thing you needed to ice a game. And your veterans, the guys that you're needing to lead this team, can't. who played Who played good? <laughs> Shawnee East, no Carter, they had good games, but they miss critical free throws late exactly in the spots where you need those guys to hit them. Yeah, and I, I felt uh, it probably wasn't East's best game. He had 15, eight rebounds, but he turned the ball over five times, very unlike him. Uh, I mean, I think, I think we were right on Noah Carter. He has turned a corner in a way. He had 23 points, but here's the problem, and it's, and it's even your best performances yesterday. You can dig a little deeper and find some areas that might have cost the team. Carter does go two of ten from three and yeah, I'm I'm trying I'm well I'm weighing it is it is it too much or do you do you pack it in and say okay I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the three on the shelf he was getting to the bucket and making some some shots at the hoop which he hadn't been doing as much up until here recently or do you just I mean it's such an integral part of the offense and their head coach has said it we want to lead the team in three-point attempts, and it's part of this team's DNA. So, Ben, my my point here a second ago was the blueprint was there for this team to win the game. They were better defensively. They were forcing turnovers. If they just make a one more three throughout the course of the game, um, two to make it comfortable, they win this game no problem. But instead, they shoot it. 23% from three. Uh, those are those are some of the uh, the final days of the Conzo Martin era, Ben, where we recall this team just couldn't find the bottom of the ocean sometimes uh, in, in shooting uh, jump shots, and it felt a lot like those days yesterday. And it's felt a little more like that here recently where they've had the struggles on offense. Yeah, I think the, the format, the way they want to play is – is there um it's not execution and and that's a byproduct of noah carter not making that kobe brown senior senior splash it's hard to do um and and i think also a byproduct of we've talked about it before maybe some of the transfers not immediately clicking like like they kind of were able to last season um so it's it's gonna have to 
be a, be a little bit of a, of a grind here. And, and I, again, not to echo what we've said many times, but I think as this continues, you, you keep finding opportunities and minutes for some of the guys who are going to be around long-term and you try to build on the promise of this team. And, you know, I, I sense a little more agitation, uh, just consternation about the program a little bit yesterday. And I get it. That's a game that you, you need to win. Um, but I also think a lot of it was met with, Hey, look, this was, this, this is a risky thing to do. Try to throw a bunch of transfers at the wall and see if you can get a bunch of them to stick. And that's not the, the long-term plan for Gates. So I think that, I really think that, we're on the precipice here of that becoming kind of the talking point of this season. And, and it's going to be a challenge because it was so fun last year to watch this team defy expectations and make the NCAA tournament and win a game for the first time, you know, since Mike Anderson was, was on the sidelines of, of, of the program. Um, and I think the future for Gates is really bright, but you know, I, I, I don't know. Do you see a run coming for this bunch? I mean, do you see a, something where, all of a sudden something unlocks and these games that are close turn into wins. And instead of three losses or you go, well, they were kind of in that game or man, that was close turn into a, a three game winning streak that kind of resets their, their possibility. I, I would like to see that, but I, I gotta be honest. I don't, I don't see that happening right now with some of the, the difficulties um, that we've seen from this group so far. I do think getting Caleb Grill back is going to matter. I know you were a little skeptical. Is he coming back? <laughs> I, I mean, I think I mean, they're looking at. I, I think he's made progress. I think there's hope that uh, he might be two or three weeks away. Um, he made them a better team. Like I, I, I we're not in disagreement there. Um, and if if my argument at the time was that maybe they are better without him, I was wrong. So I will fully admit that. Um, you know, I, I've kind of read nebulous things about if they think he'll be back or not. And I also think there's probably some, there's got to be, don't you think there's got to be some internal discussion about if he doesn't come back, they redshirt him for and try to get him back next year? I, I guess there's a, yeah, that would that would be an interesting scenario since I think he'd, um, I mean, it feels like at this point, heck, six, seven-year guys, I mean, they they happen all the time now. Sure. In college Gibson sports. Jimerson has said he's considering getting a second Masters at the, uh, it's slew, so <laughs> it's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Um, I, I mean, here's the well, you know, not to. I don't want to get too big picture here. Um, I I do think there's a chance that this team can win some ball games because they've been close enough. Right. Here's um, here's the issue. It's just who's going to be that guy if it's not East or Carter every single night to be your you know your complimentary pieces aren't there like they they were last year, um, at least not as many. I do think Jesus Calero Martin has has made a nice little uptick these last couple of weeks. His game is interesting. It's not the type of game where um, you want to see him play thirty minutes a game, but he's around twenty right now, and he's a good passer. He's got a good offensive game about him. He's a decent shot blocker. I'm not sure if he's great at, at staying in front of some of these athletic uh, wing players in the Southeastern Conference, but there's enough about his game that you like offensively. It's it's guys like, and, and I hate to uh, you know just, just rag on this guy because I feel like we've done that the last couple of weeks. Nick Honor, I mean, the guy plays 38 minutes yesterday, Ben, and he hits this circus shot 
at the hoop early in the ball game, and I shook my head. I'm like, oh, that's not good because he's going to think he can hit that shot time and time again, and he made an effort another two or three times, and yeah. he gets lost in traffic. That's just not his game. He's got value. He's a great catch-and-shoot three-point assassin when he can set his feet. But he's not doing that. He's trying to create his own shot, which he can't do. He's trying to draw contact around the hoop, which he shouldn't do. I mean, I love him as a free-throw shooter, but he just can't be the one of the focal points of the offense like he well, I, I mean, it's not his choice to play the 38 minutes. I guess if he's out there, he's going to get the opportunities. But I just think his time needs to go down. Anthony Robinson did play yesterday. Quite frankly, Ben, to echo a lot of your comments over the last several weeks, he just has to play more. He has to. Um, he's he's eventually going to be one of the key components of this team and, and I see the way some of these other freshman guards around the conference are making an impact. You've got to let Anthony Robinson uh, get a few more reps right now. If it's at the expense of Nick Honor, so be it. The guy just, Honor has not played up to where he was at last year. That's just the reality. And Robinson, you want to be around for the next uh, two or three years. So give him some opportunities to where maybe by the end of February, Robinson could be a starter, but it's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Frankly, I kind of wonder about if Nick honor isn't in as good a shape as he was last year. Um, he looks, he doesn't quite look as athletic last year as he, this year as he did last year. And he, he's a, he's a uniquely, you know, kind of shaped bowling ball type guard. Right. right. He, he doesn't look as um, dynamic to me this year and i don't know if it's maybe it's not maybe it's not a fitness level thing maybe it's a, a kind of a nagging injury i don't i don't know but it just doesn't look he doesn't look like the guy we watched last year often and maybe it's pressure to do too much i, I don't know but it's it's a pretty good body of work this season that says he's not that guy right now so i'm curious to kind of see what gates does as the season goes along and and that's kind of what i'll be watching like i'm gonna watch all these games i'm not at all suggesting people shouldn't be interested in this team i but I, I think we've got to be realists about what we're watching and what the projections say. I think the most interesting thing for me right now is, okay, it, it's not working out quite like Gates drew it up in the in the offseason. We understand why that could be. It's hard to, to hit on the transfers. They didn't get all the transfers they wanted. But everybody's fired up about this recruiting class that he's got and also incoming, um, including the kid at, at in, right, right there in Columbia who packed out the – Jim for his 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 recent game I mean people are I think very excited so to me it's like more like going to be a lesson in, in Gates coaching it, it's going to be okay what does he do when 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 things don't work out um, that's going to be fun and interesting and, and telling to watch how does he adjust the rotations what does he does he do does he change up the defense temporarily a little bit can his philosophy his program ideals goals not in terms of what they want to be and and how they want to play but can they be tweaked a little bit yeah um based off of the team he has if it's not exactly the team that he thought he was going to have i mean that's how you learn about coaches i mean i was watching tennessee and Ole miss when, when tennessee beat Ole miss and you're watching chris beard and his team is just getting wrecked by the volunteers in knoxville 
and he starts putting two seven his two seven footers on the court together, and it was like the thing that stopped the bleeding. They didn't win the game, but you learned about how Chris Beard coaches, and he's going to look for things to do in a game that and like that's that's interesting and telling to watch. So I think that's more of what you're watching for this team. You're looking at at what guys can improve. That's coaching. You're looking at uh, what what the rotations could look like, and to me, I'm also looking at what what guys who could be emerging as future leaders of this team. Um, everybody knew that when Dennis Gates was signed, that the real judgment on if it was a great hire or not was going to be in three to four years. Um, and it, what happened last year was awesome. And you give him full credit for surpassing expectations. I, I don't, I'm not ready. And I don't think anyone is who's paying attention is, is trying to say like, if there's a regression in your two, it's a bad, terrible sign. Um, I, I think in some ways it even underscores the importance of what he's doing around this season in terms of player, you know, commitments and signing classes. But it doesn't mean that the lights go dark and what's happening on the court. I mean, the games matter. Keeping the fan base encouraged matters. Are there ways to do that if you're not winning games? Yes. Is it harder? Heck yes. But the way you play, and this team has never looked like it's punting. It never looks like it doesn't care. It never looks like it's not trying. Um, the way you play, the way you build, the way you improve over the course of the season I think all those are realistic things that fans who are, are not thrilled to sit down and watch a bunch of losses, but are also monitoring and, and invested in as the season plays out. Ben Fredrickson, Brendan Weiss, who have, uh, will be able to react in uh, real time come Tuesday night. We'll have postgame after Mizzou at Alabama, which will be a tough test indeed for the Tigers coming up here on the Big 550 KTRS. Ben, let's take a break. You're at winter warm-up. Let's talk a little baseball when we come back after this. Sports Sunday continues here in the Big 550. Brendan Weesey with sports columnist from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Ben Fredrickson, he is covering the Cardinals' winter warm-up down at Bush Stadium and, and Ballpark Village and uh, everything in the winter wonderland that is downtown St. Louis this, uh, this morning and this afternoon. And I say winter wonderland mostly for the temperatures, not so much for the snow, although I guess there was a little bit out there yesterday and today, Ben. So it is, this is, it's in its truest form, Ben, the winter warm-up. It's supposed to warm us all up thinking about baseball when we're <laughs> it, locked in the, uh, the heart of the winter season. What do you take away from day one? We heard from Mo, maybe more moves still in the offing. Yeah, they're going to need to throw a little a few more logs on the fire down here to get the temperature out of the freezing range. It was, it was a minus six on my truck dashboard Ooh. driving down this morning, which it's a different kind of quiet outside when it's that cold. It's like <laughs> everything is just too cold to move. Um, but uh, yeah, there's still one or more up going on and the players are, are coming through. And we're, we've heard from um, Mason Wynn this morning. We're going to hear from, from Brendan Donovan and Lars Neatbar later today. The writers' dinner is this evening. Uh, Ali Marmol will sing both tomorrow, so um, kind of a good chance to take the pulse of the team and check in on on where guys are. And and we did hear from Mo yesterday. He always goes day one, and yeah, he, he didn't shut the door on them making more moves. They're obviously and very candidly still looking at relief options, and some people get fired up for those, some people don't. Um, that's uh, I'll leave that up to them. But they're going to add another reliever at least, and. Um, asked kind of if uh, he wanted to shut the door on ideas of considering maybe tacking on another starter, depending on what happens in the free agent market. Guys who get left out in the cold wanting more um, or, or desperate as free agent deals dry up or 
his spring training years, he didn't shut the door on that. So he said that there's flexibility in the payroll. There's been a lot of discussion about what the Cardinals will or won't spend this offseason with the TV uncertainty looming. But he made it sound like that they're absolutely still looking at the bullpen and potentially open to adding more. Um, I think most people say, okay, let's wait and see if that something more is uh, is needle-moving or not, um, but uh, they clearly made the free agent additions in the rotation, and they've made kind of some, I think, uh, underrated maybe moves for the bullpen, which I don't mind because we've talked a lot about throwing money at the bullpen isn't always the best idea. Um, but the interesting thing I thought yesterday was Mo leaving the door open, as you said, and also kind of candidly admitting that, that he doesn't have the highest approval rating right now. Um, taking ownership of, of, in his words, some arrogance that went into last season's roster construction, um, and uh, and also really laying it out there that yeah, there's really an open competition internally right now in the Cardinals front office to be the next leader of this baseball operations department as he's going to plan on severely scaling back or stepping down after 2025, and mentioned that yeah, new new addition, special advisor. Heim Bloom is is going to be considered in those roles along with some of the guys the Cardinals have had around here for a long time. So those were pretty noteworthy things to me from the president of the baseball operations. Ben, we also uh, see Sonny Gray. He is uh, he's made he well he made the rounds on Saturday. I know you asked him about you know, maybe how he's going to embrace a leadership role on the ball club, which is interesting for a guy that will be playing his first year in a Cardinals uniform. And, uh, and I think your question was uh, was a real valid one because he's got the leadership, but he doesn't he do, he hasn't banked a lot of goodwill yet because he hasn't had an opportunity to in a Cardinals uniform. So you have to you, you, you kind of have to do that when spring training rolls around. But uh, what what's your impression of of that kind of guy that that Gray could be in that Adam Wainwright, Chris Carpenter role, if you will, that is kind of bestowed upon him uh, in a way by default. Yeah, it's always risky, right, when you hear the new Cardinal free agent come in and he's expected to perform well on the field and also alter the clubhouse atmosphere. I can remember when Dexter Fowler was supposed to be the leadoff hitter the center fielder and the guy who made everybody laugh and smile. And it's like, was he supposed to, you know, manicure the field and, uh, and fly the team plane as well? I mean, come on, give me a break. Like it's asking too much of one guy. I hope the same is not the case with Sonny, but I tell you, the more you're around and the more you talk to him, the more you can't help but like this guy. Um, just, uh, some behind the scenes stuff. He shows up yesterday to do his media interview and Tink Hintz is up there talking and, Sonny Gray's asking, hey, is that guy a pitcher? You know, what's his name? Wanted to make sure he knew who Tinkins was because he wants to start building a relationship with the young Cardinals prospect. Um, he grabs a hot dog off the, the rollers in the back of the room and gives them to his kid. I mean, he's a real guy, and I think he's excited to be here. Um, he cares a ton about the Cardinals. They wanted to draft him out of Vanderbilt years ago, and he's always kind of shared that mutual admiration. He's studied the history of the team. He talked about how he was looking up, you know, the, the, the kind of the story about the Cardinals, the bird being a reminder of lost loved ones. Um, and his dad passed away when he was a, a freshman in high school. So he said that meant a lot to him. I mean, it, he's a likable guy who is was second in the Cy Young Award voting last year behind Cole. I mean, he's a good pitcher. And I think one of the things that jumped out right away, yeah, they want his tenacity. They want his competitiveness. 
unfortunately, uh, some of that has eroded from this team, and the Cardinals are just admitting that. It, it's not a great endorsement, unfortunately, of the clubhouse leadership of Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado that the front office is down here when our warm-up talking openly about how they needed to add more leadership for this team from the outside. And Yeah, it's different when it's pitching. I get it. But uh, but goodness, um, that that kind of that kind of was an eye opening comment from John Mozeliak uh, during winter warm up. So they went and added a bunch of guys with grit and substance and uh, proven ability. Now they got to hold up and they got to some of them got to bounce back like a Lance Lynn. But Sonny Gray just needs to do what he does, and they're hoping that that kind of resets this rotation and kind of this pitching. Uh, I, I think practice a little bit in terms of how he competes, but it's also I was interested to hear him say when he got to talking to Mo, Brendan, that he was asking about the way the Cardinals pitching staff, coaching staff was built. And he had some suggestions for that. And it sounds like the Cardinals listened to him. They've tweaked some things in their coaching staff, I think in part because of some of the conversations they had with Sonny Gray before signing him. So he's not like old school, you know, bulldog. He he pitches that way, but he cares about these metrics. He cares about continuing to get better. And in some ways – that voice and how he's able to work with pitchers may be, may be part of this improvement of pitching as well. And I think all that stuff, you know, the leadership, Ben, will will come, and it'll probably come a lot faster if he goes out there and performs. I think that's 100%. the first and foremost. He's got to be – I mean, he's got to be your ace. Whether he's a true ace or not, he's going to be your number one guy. It's his invitation with uh, more like begging to, to seize that opportunity – I'd say he's been one of the top 20-ish pitches in baseball for a while, and the numbers back that up. I, I think it's also fair to say he's never been been the definition, you know, capital A ace. Right. And this is his opportunity to do that. Um, you know, he didn't seize on it like he wanted to when he was with the Yankees. This isn't New York, but it's a very proud, historically successful franchise that has made them their biggest – signing of the offseason and I wrote about this for today's paper and I believe it I don't think it's being overdramatic I think Sonny Gray is in some ways kind of not that he can do it by himself but he's kind of the 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 x factor between this team making this a, a, a rebound or being forced to perhaps embrace a little bit of a rebuild that right. would be a Cardinals version of a rebuild but they got a lot of things kind of in a holding pattern right now um, you know, Ali Marmol's on a one-year deal right now. Paul Goldschmidt is too. They they haven't signed anybody beyond Sonny Gray's contract in terms of length of years. Um, they've got a lot of rising young talent they're excited about. and They don't like the idea of suggesting that if this season goes sideways, they could sell off and kind of reboot this thing. But the reality is they position themselves that way. If they don't do that, it's because they look like a much more dominant pitching staff. And at the heart of that is Sonny Gray. Ben Fredrickson, sports columnist, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Ben will find that Sonny Gray column in the pages of the Post and stltoday.com this morning and this afternoon. I know you got to get back to work down there at Bush. Um, we will talk to you later this week. Sounds good, man. Have a good Sunday, everybody.